This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. You're listening to Keep Screaming, a horror podcast from two best friends dissecting horror movies one by one. My name is Ryan Larson. And my name is B-Bass. Every two weeks, we will bring you a brand new episode where we dissect a slasher film from top to bottom. We will look at the movie as a whole, going over the story, the casting, music choices, go kill by kill, and then rank it on how it succeeds as a slasher film. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ScreamingCast or by searching Keep Screaming. You can find me at B not B, that's B-E-E, not B-E-A, and Ryan at Ryan Larson. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Castbox, or online at podpeople.me or keepscreaming.com. This week we are dissecting 1998's I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, directed by Danny Cannon. But first, our pop culture check-in. For new listeners, our pop culture check-in is a chance for you to get to know what we've been watching, reading, and consuming outside of our movie this week, as well as life updates. Um, before we dive into the really big thing that B and I are obviously both, if you listen to the show at all, we're obviously both dove headfirst into, uh, I did get to go see The Lion King. I went opening night, and... I haven't heard your thoughts on this yet. Yeah. new to me. Yeah, I haven't told B what I thought yet. Um, beautiful CG. Mm -hmm. Like, CG-wise, the animals are fine. Like, all the, like, talk you hear about how weird they look when they talk is not... once you're in the movie, there's a couple times where you're like, oh, that looked kind of weird, but most of the time it works really well, especially, I'd say, actually with all of the animals outside of the lions. Like, the, like Zazu looks really good. Um, Timon and Pumbaa look fantastic. The, but, like, outside of the animals, the, like, scenery is fucking bananas. Well, because it's real, right? I don't know. I, I haven't researched it, it. Okay, if it, that would make sense to I'm me because it sure... looks insane. It, that's all real, which is why it's Except like, like live rock. action. And then, well, yeah. yeah. And then um, the animals are just CG'd into, into it. that. That would make sense because it looks amazing. It's be- I don't quote me, but I um, that's my understanding. It is a beautiful movie, though, throughout. And honestly, a lot of the things you're hearing about how like it's pretty much a beat for beat remake are mostly true, except. Uh, they definitely let John Oliver, who voices Zazu, and then Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen, who voiced Timon and Pumbaa, have some comedic liberty because there's a lot of jokes that were not in the original. Um, and they're very funny. And I will say that Seth Rogen's delivery of Pumbaa's lines makes it feel new almost because he's so good at kind of being that, like, absent-minded stoner-ish type. And like, Wasn't there, like, a Timon and Pumbaa TV show, right? Yes. Yeah. So I'd almost rather this movie just be a Timon and Pumbaa movie. It should. Those two. It honestly should be because yeah. they because I love are perfect. Both of them. They're perfect. I like, love both of them. It's like oh, um, I guess you guys were actually born for these roles and no one realized it because they nail it. Uh, they are the best part of the movie. They steal the show. The, I will say the worst part of the movie and like there's no real like worst part. It's a very enjoyable, fun good like well-made movie but donald glover's voice acting is eh, it's okay it like they got him for the singing also beyonce as nala like 
you just you're watching and you're like mm, that's just Beyonce's voice on a lion so it's kind of weird you're like no that's just Beyonce but they obviously tap them for the singing because their singing is great like mm-hmm. Don Glover singing Hakuna Matata was super fun and then all, um, Can You Feel the Love Tonight um, because mm-hmm. other than that and whoever they got to voice the kids um, for Simba and Nala too excellent like beautiful singing voices really nailed that too uh they turn Be Prepared into more of, like, a monologue song. It's not, like, a true song song, and they cut it. It's, like, it's only, like, a minute of the actual song instead of, like, a full three minute. And I have, like, no memory of The Lion King. So. Oh, yeah. And then they cut, which is a really weird thing to complain about, but they cut Zazu singing I've Got a Lovely Bunch of Coconuts, which I really like in the original movie, so I thought that was kind of weird. But overall, I I thought it was really good. Like, I really did. I, I, I read a lot of the complaints online, and I they're valid in the form of it does feel almost unnecessary to remake it but it's kind of like i was thinking about it because i have a lot of friends who are gamers obviously and like this thing has become really popular in gaming where you do hd remasters of games like they remake games from the ground up with like new graphics i'm like that's basically what this is um and if you go into it with like that mindset and then for some new jokes i think you'll really enjoy it um i also saw crawl and Crawl was the new um, Alexander Aja movie. He's done Piranha. He's done The Hills of Eyes reboot. Um, I really he did High Tension. I really like Aja. He's been missing from horror for a while now since pretty much the first Piranha movie. Uh, really solid. Piranha three D. Yeah, Piranha three yeah. D. Um, really, I was really like, good. Not the first Piranha movie. No, not Joe not Dante's Piranha. or yeah. yeah. Uh, Piranha 3D. Which um, I do like that movie. Yeah, I like all of them, except Double D, maybe not so much. Uh, yeah, but this, uh, go see Crawl if you can. It's The word of mouth has been great for it, because it's actually almost at 30 mil now this weekend, um, and it's just got like really positive reviews, but it's just a really tight, super well done, like, creature feature. Um, I mean, there's nothing, you know, like supernatural or anything about it. It's just these gators, there's a tsunami, or, the, or there's a hurricane in Florida, and these gators get into a house... Um, through the, like, they have a, a sewage access, and since the water's kind of, rising... It's like a home invasion, but It is. It feels like a home invasion, but alligators. with alligators. Yeah. Um, it's getting a lot of comparisons to a movie called Burn Bright, which was about a tiger that got in the house. Um, oh, uh-huh. That's a foreign film, yeah. And I've seen that one, and it does... It's a lot like that, but it's super fun. It feels like if somehow you were... It feels like that movie, um, if you ever saw it, Bait where they're trapped in the grocery store with the sharks, where it's kind mm, of like... I forgot about that movie. Yeah, yeah. But it's kind of like that, um, but even better, I would say. But go see Crawl if you can. Support indie horror, you know, like, do all that. It's awesome to see that it even got a theatrical release. Do the things. And I really like that the word of mouth has got it up to where it is, but it's very well deserved. That's what I figured was going to happen, because we were talking about it, and I was like, God. And we're like, it's hard for both Ryan and I, with movies in general, but especially horror movies, to step away and see like okay like do we only know about this film because we're in the community or is it out there seeing promotion i barely saw anything from crawl oh, no. and yeah, yeah. i thought they were i'm it. heavily immersed in like the horror and film world i mean if you're part of film twitter at all like you just any movie that even has a trailer you just hear about it non-stop for like two days So I was super surprised. I'm like, I didn't know anything about this. It just all of a sudden, like the week it came out, it was like, oh yeah, by the way, there's this movie called Crawl coming out. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was like, well, it seems like people are liking it. So it's probably going to do better the second week. Yeah. Kind of like the hereditary effect where it's like, 
But, like, the thing with Crawl was, weirdly enough, too, Aja didn't do... They didn't do a press screening for Piranha 3D, and they didn't do it for Crawl, which hurts the movie, because if no one's talking about it, yeah. people don't know about it. And also, I mean, I see every fucking horror movie in theaters, like, pretty much, especially for the last year. No trailers for Crawl, ever. Never saw any trailers for Crawl before, like, Annabelle or any of these other horror movies that were coming out, like... I don't know if it had to do with the studio or what, but um, it, it's really solid. Go see it if you can. B, you finished Stranger Things. I finished Stranger Things. Did we, did we talk about it last week, last episode? A little bit. I, I talked think. about it, but you haven't finished yet. So I finished it, and um, it just... So this one took, like, two years to come out. Yes. So I, like... And I love that it was a summer. Yeah, so it was a summer um, set with, like, Fourth uh, of July, and they did some fun things with that. The show is so spectacular in the way it handles um, its characters. They all feel so real. Their chemistry together is impeccable. And storyline-wise, what's so great is that a lot of like the lighter moments and the jokes that they make, or like them shopping at the mall, it's it's so it just feels right Mm -hmm. and it feels like well yeah sure these crazy things have happened to these kids but you know life still goes on and you know this is what they would be doing when there's not some kind of attack on hawkins um so i really like how they handle that and i mean they just kid actors are (sighs) dude they're hot they're they're hard to get right and it's hard you watch a lot of movies and you're like oh okay well the kid wasn't that great um, but they obviously spent a ton of time getting these kids and, and making sure that they spent time together and they, they feel like they've been friends forever. Yeah. Um, they feel like childhood friends in the way they behave and talk to each other and just impeccably well written. And then all the horror stuff is awesome. And this season was pretty gory and scary. I definitely scary. thought this was the most adult season. Yes, for, definitely for the sure. most adult, but also the kids are growing up. They're yeah, teenagers no, it makes now. Sense. They're not yeah. preteens. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Oh, I, I, I just agree with everything you said. Like, I mean, all the relationships, like, the auxiliary relationships are great, too, because it's funny because you watch the show, so you associate all these characters, but then you see someone, like, you know, like, hop running into Steve or whatever and they like don't really know each other because you're like oh yeah like why would they like their paths don't really cross Steve's more involved with the kids or with Dustin Mm -hmm. or whatever and so like I love all that stuff but the relationship like Hop and Joyce amazing Mm -hmm. um Steve and Dustin fantastic and then like how well they implement new characters into the show too because it's so hard to do and so like how they brought in Max full force last season and then Billy a little bit and then so Billy could be a main character this season and then introducing Robin who became a fully fleshed out character and then also introducing Lucas's little sister last season and then having her become a fully formed character this season Mm -hmm. really smart how they do those things and like plan it out just I yeah I agree and like at this point They've probably spent like five years together mm-hmm. filming and stuff. Yeah. So they they did grow up together. Yeah. So yeah, I just no, it's I love really all that. good. I think it's the best season mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. Um, it made me like fall in love. Like you know, I had two years off from it, so it's like yeah, I definitely I super loved the first season. I liked the second season. I wasn't as in love with it as the first one, and then it took so long for another one to come out. Like my love and kind of passion for it kind of died down. 
And then I was like, I mean, I was definitely excited, but then now I'm like, oh my God, Stranger Things, I love it, like, so much, like, I'm ba- You're back You're literally into wearing it. a I'm, shirt. Yeah, I'm yeah. wearing a Stranger Things shirt, like, I saw it at Target, and I'm like, yeah, I need to buy that. And seeing the kids grow up is just so cool, too, because, like, they are, like, totally, like, especially, especially Elle and, um... Mike. Mike have grown up a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, they look, like, full-on cocky-ass teenagers. Yeah. So, um... No, yeah, it's a blast. I'm glad you finished it, and I'm sure they're, I mean, I'm sure they'll do another season, and... Well, yeah, they leave it on a cliffhanger. Um, And they'll definitely do another season, actually, what I was saying, because it was, like, the most viewed fucking thing ever. Yeah. Netflix released numbers, and it was, like, bananas. Yeah. No, it's super good. I'm excited for more. Hopefully we get it in a year and not two, because I think, yeah, yeah, it's a little bit too strewn out, but super, super good. Uh, And then, of course, if you... We're paying attention to Comic-Con this weekend. Um, there's a show that B and I both love, perhaps more than any other show, um, and that is Veronica Mars. And uh, B had watched Veronica Mars when it was on TV, and then I fell in love with it when an ex of mine introduced me to the show, and she, I, she had all... And by then, the show was over, so I binge-watched three seasons in, like, four days because I was just... I, I, fell in love with it and then we both contributed to the kickstarter i mean for b's birthday or for christmas she literally asked just for entries to possibly win the raffle for the movie mm-hmm. or for the new show we're in love with veronica mars they early dropped it as a surprise at comic-con onto hulu um so i like went into legitimate shock like it's embarrassing yeah, you should have seen b's instagram oh, it's embarrassing how much this tv show like affects my life but it does and I'm, I'm like, sitting in the nursery, and I'm watching season three of Veronica Mars. Um, I was, like, halfway through it. Um, of course, I've seen it already, but I was doing my rewatch, and I, was, I had it all timed out. I was like, okay, I actually, I have the audible of the first book, so I was going to re-listen to the first book. I watched, I've seen the movie twice since maternity leave. I watch it all the time, but I watched it. It's a comfort film for me, so, like, when I was, like, sleep-deprived and frustrated with new motherhood I would like and put on Veronica Mars so I'd watch the movie anywho and I'm sitting there like on Instagram like nursing and I just see Kristen Bell like on Instagram going oh for it's my birthday and Hulu I want the new season for my birthday and then it's like oh it dropped and I was like huh what yep oh my god I, like, started hyperventilating. I, I was just like, get is all this these real? texts from B. I'm oh, my God. Work. I had to pull a double shift at work. And so she's texting me. She's like, it dropped, it dropped. I'm like, of course it did. The day I can't go home yeah. and just fucking binge no, it. No, I didn't know what to do. Like, I didn't start watch. I, like, do I start watching it? Do I wait to watch it? How do I handle this? Do, they, do I finish? What if I don't finish and somebody spoils something for me? But I don't want to binge it because it's only, like, I swear to you, like, I was just pacing around the room. Like, did not know what to do. And finally, like... I pressed play on the episode, and my husband, like, walked through the door and just, like, got off work, and he's like, is is it Veronica Mars? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I'm watching it. He's like, how is it? I'm like, it's good. It's so it's good. It's so good. But I'm taking it, I mean, I've been bit, it dropped yesterday. It's eight episodes. Yeah. It's not a lot. No, but it, I've watched four minutes. episodes, yeah. and I'm just, it's really good. We'll talk about it when we finish it, but. I'm, yeah, I'm on the seventh episode, and B and I decided to watch the finale together, um, so we'll watch the eighth episode together, which will probably be in like two days, two or three days. And all I'll say is if you haven't watched Veronica Mars, go on Hulu and watch the entire show because it is probably the best written show ever. Mm-hmm. Like 
I know, I mean, B and I talk a lot about TV, and we love, like, teen, like, stuff, and Veronica Mars has that teen feel, but it's so smart. I mean, it's just, like, it makes you jealous yeah. of how smart the writers are, because Veronica is, pro- all of the characters become so, you just fall in love with everyone so much, and they all have, like, such deep personalities, and mm-hmm. the, the wit in that show is the best I've ever seen because sometimes you watch something and it tries too hard but like it feels so natural coming off all of these characters Mm -hmm. yeah you need to watch it and the new season is just I mean B texts me and she's like because I was like well how is it and she's like it has like a fucking budget and you can tell and like it's a grown up show like they go there from the the get go and as soon as I started it I was like yep you're right like I can see the budget and I can tell they wanted to do a more grown up show okay Alexa please try a little later my Alexa just spoke up. I don't know why. Um, she's but, excited about Mar- She's Yeah, she's also excited. But, yeah, I mean, it's just... It's crazy to see what they've done. And the writing is still just so fucking good. Especially between, like, Veronica and Keith are just mm-hmm. masterful. Like, the yeah. way they go back and forth. And props to all the actors. Yeah. It's really an incredible piece of television. And TV is... I mean, I'll just put it out there. I like TV more, more than, than movies. movies. That's Bee's thing. She's it's, the TV person. I'm the movie person. Yeah, I mean, they speak to my soul. I love um, long-form storytelling. And I've watched, you know, all the big ones, and all, and I just, it doesn't get better for Veronica Mars. It really doesn't. Mm-hmm. All three seasons are on Hulu. The movie's on HBO. If you have HBO, if you don't, you can buy it on Amazon for, like, $2. Yeah. And there's two books. They're very enjoyable. And they're canon, which is awesome. They like they literally reference them in the new series, and like they pick up right where the movie leaves off. It's fantastic what they've done with this world. It's crazy how much they really truly know like their fans, and and they don't. It's not catering to the fans. They just everything they do is for the fans. It's passion. It's it's awesome. Very well. The marshmallows are treated very well. Yes, they're good to us. Yeah. Plus, everyone loves Kristen Kristen Bell. So, like, if you haven't watched it yet, you just go watch it. Yeah. And you will totally agree with us. So I did finally, I've been reading because I mainly listen to audiobooks and I mean, I don't ever get my car anymore now that I stay at home, but I did finally finish, um, my latest thriller. Um, it's called an An anonymous girl. It's by, uh, Greer Hendricks and Sarah Peckman. They wrote a book, um, that I believe I've talked about on the show, um, called The Wife Between Us. Yes. Um, I read that, I don't know, last year. And it was pretty good. I liked it. It had some flaws, but I saw, I had a bunch of Audible credits I was trying to spend off, and I saw that they had a new book, and I was like, well, okay, I'll check it out. Um, and this was really interesting. So it's about, um, a woman struggling, living in New York City, you know, late 20s, um, I think she's like 27, 28, um, and she stumbles upon this psychology study that's looking for women to participate in a study on ethics and morality, and then the book ends up becoming her relationship with the professor conducting the study, and her, and sort of it starts intertwining, and then you start hearing from the professor's side effect, or point of view, and gets all muddled and tangled in between um and it was super interesting and definitely I liked the theme of if you know you're being tested on your 
morality? Does it, and your, and how ethical you are, um, does it cause you to be a better person? Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that's what was going to be like the main subject of the book, and it actually ended up turning out to be something different. But that's sort of how it starts off, and I really liked that. And it's definitely something sort of in my life. I've been making a conscious effort the last couple of years to be um, a better person. A better person. <laughs> Trying, yeah. Yeah, just to, and especially in like small situations, just I try and be extra friendly with any anybody mm-hmm. who's serving me. When I go to the grocery store, I always like say like you know enjoy your day because I genuinely mean it. Like if I can like be friendly and make somebody's day a little bit better, like. Mm-hmm that's amazing and I want and I think if everybody behaved that way we'd all be in like such a better place um and so I really liked reading about that and just sort of thinking about like okay if I was gonna have to be asked a question if this if what I just did was ethical how would I feel about it um but anywho it was a it ended up being like a nice little thriller um nothing too crazy I powered through it pretty quick um and yeah Finally, have a book on there. I'm reading yeah. "Where the Crawdads Sing," which Ryan somehow hadn't heard about. But if yeah, you're in the book, tweet us. Let us know if, if you're you've in the heard book world at all. It's like if you're in the book world. I picked up Paul Tremblay's new book. I'm reading. That's that. part of the horror world. Whatever. I would not consider well, that part of the book world. I don't. The book people aren't really talking about it. Well, that's a shame because it's really good. Yeah, but anyway, "Where the Crawdads Sing." Currently reading it. Very good so far. Our friend Aaron Dries had a new book launch also. Yes. So if you can, make sure you go check it oh. out um, because Aaron is fantastic. We're going to see him this week, him and Brennan, um, our producer, Brennan Klein. Um, and so he has written numerous books, House of Size, Fallen Boys, Place for Centers, Where the Dead Go to Die. And his new book is, Aaron, I'm so sorry, I'm forgetting what it's called right now. And I'm going like, to Google it. Um, it's not popping up on your website. So update your website, Brennan. Or I mean, Aaron. Um... But he does have a new book out. Um, and he writes horror, obviously. And it's kind of like splatterpunk-ish. That's how he's described it to us. Um, which I'm reading his book. Um, the Fallen Boys, The right? Fallen Boys, except for I had to stop because it involves a, a boy, a child. Oh, yeah. You can't do that right now. And so I had to put it down because it was hitting too close to home. Um, it was very disturbing, which is the point. It's right there. A Place for Sinners. That's his new one. Okay. And we're going to see him on Wednesday, so that's very exciting. Um, so, we watched a movie this week. We did. I messed up two weeks ago, and I did like apologize for it if you follow us on uh, social media, but um, we are not watching The Carpenter. That was not our next one. That's upcoming. That's our bonus episode. We watched a sequel to a movie we covered last summer, because as you guys know, we are seasonal watchers, and we like to stay within season, and so we decided, why don't we watch I Still Know What You Did Last Summer from 1998, Mm. Um, just one year removed from the original I Know What You Did Last Summer. Uh, The synopsis is, Julie James hasn't been the same since last summer. Still harboring guilt over her role in the death of fisherman Ben Willis, her college grades have slipped and her relationship with high school sweetheart Ray Bronson is on the rocks. After being turned down by Ray, Julie invites a classmate to join her when her best friend Carla Wilson, that's not exactly accurate, that's not true. Um, when her best friend Carla Wilson wins an all-expense-paid trip for the four to the Bahamas. The moment they hit the picturesque island, havoc ensues. The romantic getaway turns into a vacation of murder and mayhem that soon Julie and friends that soon has Julie and friends running for their lives. 
100% true on that synopsis. Uh, Julie doesn't invite Will to the vacation. He just shows up because Ray decides not to go. Um, yeah, so released November 13th, 1998. So it is a year and a couple months after the original because I feel like the original was actually during the summertime. I'm going to look it up right now. Uh, mildly successful, pretty successful actually. Budget of $24 million. Oh, the release date of the original was October 17th, 1997. So, yeah, almost almost a year. Here Which is weird for a movie set on 4th of July. That That's like weird. a legitimate plot point. They were trying to hit the horror crowd. Like, yeah. that's why. Um, I mean, I get it. Yeah, budget was $24 million, Box office, 84 So, about tripled its budget, which means, you know, we've talked about it before. Most of the time, to see if a movie's successful, you have to double the budget because it doesn't include posts. So, that's like all the advertising and stuff. So, you know, you figure 48 mil and it still made 84, so that's still pretty good. Um, which is weird that it never, with how fast they rushed the sequel and how well this did comparatively, it's odd that they didn't like rush I mean, right into another. Because Scream for sure did. Yeah, but Scream was also critically successful and this movie was, was horrible. <laughs> so 7% Rotten Tomatoes and the critics consensus is boring, predictable, and bereft of thrills and chills. I still know what you did last summer is exactly the kind of rehash that gives horror sequels a bad name. Yeah. That's pretty accurate. That's pretty good. Yeah, just so you know where we're headed with this. Yeah. That's not a bad uh that's not a bad uh decision. Yeah, the highest the highest review this movie has is on Metacritic, um, and it came from Variety. Um, so take that for what you will. Um purists will find the pick's obviousness disappointing, but there's no question that the film delivers a sufficient shock quotient to satisfy its youthful target audience. Maybe. Mm. I don't know. There's not a lot of shock in it, honestly. Like, I'm a purist, so I can't separate myself. Yeah, there's there's like one real good one in this one, and then I'm not a fan of the rest. So the poster design on this one is tries to be similar to the first one in the way that it has its um, cast set up. They literally have it like flipped, so we see Julie on the right hand side instead of the left hand side. And there's, like, the hook slashing through, tearing off some of the poster. And you can see our hook man. And that's, I still know what you did last summer. Um, it's, I know what you did last summer, but then uh, still is written in, like, red handwriting. And it's in the tear. Yeah. And then the tagline's at the top saying, some secrets will haunt you forever. And then there's another one that I can't read. I think it's Someone's Dying for a Second Chance. There is quite a few taglines. Yeah, it is. Someone's Dying for a Second yeah. Chance. Those are the ones on the poster. I still know. The sequel that will hook you again. The story continues. Get hooked again. Oh, man. The man uh, with the hook is back, and this time he's really mad. Horrible tagline. <laughs> that sounds straight out of, like, the 60s. Some people never forget. The man with a hook is back, and this time he's really mad. <laughs> Some people never forget, and it's happening again. Too many taglines. Too many taglines. They're not the worst. No. Um, I don't hate Some Secrets Will Haunt You Forever, actually. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely the, because that's a driving plot point, is that it's a secret of what she did. Uh, this poster is mediocre, for sure. It's better um, than the one on the fucking voodoo. Remember that one? Because we watched this on oh, on Crackle with ads. And that one, that, well, it's like, 
had weird like painted blue lines like each of the characters they looked like they were with a paint roller and each of the characters was but I do not remember that yeah no I pointed it out to you and I was like oh I fucking hate that um yeah so I mean it's better than that one at least but it's not great they when they put this out on like blu-ray yeah that thing look it looks like yeah roller paint yeah the dvd cover yeah they're like painted out I don't know it's really weird that's worse. Yeah. Well, and then the sequel's even worse. Oh, well, yeah. But this is, it's like levels of quality. I think the first poster is really good. Um, I, when we talked about it, I enjoy the color palette and it matches the theme of the movie and the, the logo type looks good in this one. I mean, it's like I said about the poster for Friday, Friday the 13th yeah. too. It's like, okay, so let's look and see what worked on the last one. And they literally like say okay well they're going to be in red instead of blue and it's going to be the same title but we're going to just going to throw still in there uh so it's just a, a poorly done rehash yeah that's it it's okay yeah it's okay um <clears throat> one sequel weirdly uh in on august 15th 2006 almost 10 years later a straight to dvd sequel titled i i'll always know what you did last summer was released it's unrelated to the first two except um, so it turns into, I mean, I'm not gonna, it's not a spoiler, like, or even if you really, like, really wanting to see the movie, a prank goes wrong, and the fisherman returns as a ghost, so it goes supernatural, kind of like the urban legend movies, they did that too, the third one becomes uh-huh. supernatural, um, and so it's based around the legend of the hookman, like, basically in this movie, the hookman has become a legend in this town, and it turns out he is a real ghost. Um, so there's a brief mention in the first two films, zero returning characters, just the fisherman motif. Uh, Danny Cannon directed this movie. He hasn't done a lot of movies. He does a lot of TV, a lot of CW, so much CW. Um, he did like Nikita, he also did Gotham for Fox, but he's like done a bunch of the like shows on CW that only lasted like a season or two. That show The Messengers was on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he did the 1995 Sylvester Stallone Judge Dredd movie, which I hate. I genuinely don't like that movie. Um, yeah, so that was like his directorial debut. Then he got this movie, and it looks like he didn't really... Either he chose to switch to TV, or it just wasn't the books well, for him to forget, do another. Well, don't forget, he also wrote, or directed Geostorm, that Gerard Butler movie. Oh, I didn't see that on when I was doing the was research. Was that him or Trey Calloway? That's one of the two. I thought it was him, though. I'm pretty sure it's Danny oh, Cannon. Oh, yeah, maybe. I'm going to look it up. Um, I didn't see that when I was looking yep, at it. Yep, Geostorm. He directed Geostorm, that that weird-ass Gerard Butler movie with, like, Jim Sturgis, Ed Harris, Abby Cornish, with that, like, someone controls a satellite that can control the weather. Um, so that's just an idea of his trajectory as a director. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this... This movie's choppy. the The directing is oh, definitely it's so not bad. my. F- I really dislike, like, noticeably disliked it. Yeah. Um. It's just a lot of, and I mean, it also could be like poor editing, and uh, you it know, could I can't. Be, yeah. I, but I think it's a combo because it all starts with your storyboarding and how the director lays out the shots. Um. And then there's just no tension. So there's no tension. Everything is like really choppy. The choreography, um, between how like the characters just move and do anything is really, it's all super jagged. 
Yeah, it's um, super stilted. Is fucking and weird. where the first one is just absolutely sets up so many of these gorgeous shots. Um, if you follow, there's a Twitter account called One Perfect Shot. Oh yeah, our buddy Kieran. Kieran yeah, <laughs> they'll they'll do stills from uh, movies, and it's an interesting. There's been a few movies that we've covered, and I know what you did last summer is a perfect example of that. Where there's so many parts of that movie where you could just stop and pause and it's just beautiful Mm -hmm. it could be a photograph Mm -hmm. like uh you can tell like exactly where everybody was laid out and the lighting and the cinematography everything's perfect and beautiful and this one it just kind of felt like all right well you're going to be running and just run in this general area Mm -hmm. and there was nothing it didn't it just all seemed random Mm -hmm. and chaotic and it did not help tell the story at all um, it actually, for a slasher where you should have a lot of like ominous, stalking moments, there was none of that in this film. Yeah, there's a scene very similar to like Sarah Michelle Gellar and the Hookman in mm-hmm. the first movie that happens in this with Brandy, and it just feels so like there's no, there's nothing there. Like it doesn't build any tension. There's no f- like scare built into it. There's a, like the shot composition is awful. Like B said, it's just like the camera going like literally like going back and forth and back and forth. And yeah, it was like it's noticeable because that's the thing is like when there's an amazing director you notice, and when there's a bad director you notice. Because every once in a while you're like, that nah, the movie was fine. And like that's how I always thought of um. I know it's kind of a mean thing to say, but like Peyton Reed, he directed Yes Man and the two Ant-Man movies, and I'm always like, he's fine. Because there's nothing about those movies that's bad, but there's nothing that you're like, oh my god, that was so cool. You're like, those are good movies. And so like Peyton Reed, to me, is like your average like working director. This is bad. Like, it's just not very good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's written by Trey Calloway, who also would go on to wrote, write mostly TV, a lot of CSI, and he's doing the new Rush Hour show. While I was looking up the trivia, I did find out that um, Kevin Williamson was scheduled or was supposed to write the movie, but because of Dawson's Creek faculty, H2O, and he was directing Teaching Mrs. Tingle, he that's why he dipped out of this and Scream 3. He didn't have time to write either of them. So that's why we do not have a Kevin Williamson script for this. And it's noticeable because there are some Ooh. really cheesy fucking one-liners in this movie, which yeah, is not a Kevin Williamson No, trait. there's no wit at all, mm-hmm. and that is uh, Williamson to a T. And mm-hmm. this one is just like, what the fuck did they just say? Yeah, there's some really goofy shit in this movie, um, especially everything the fisherman says when he starts. Oh also, why does he God. talk? He just shouldn't talk because it's all terrible. His it's delivery is so, so bad. bad. It's He's... Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a thing, guys. Um, John Frizzell did the, or Frizzle did the score. Um, done a lot of stuff in the genre. Um, Leatherface, Texas 3D, Stay Alive, The Reaping, Teaching Miss Tingle, 13 Ghosts. Um, he did the Josie and the Pussycats movie. Yeah, I just threw that in because I thought it was fun. Yeah, also, also because I think, movie. I thought it was fun teaching Mrs. Tingle too because the yeah. Williamson Association. All those movies, I've seen all of them. Uh-huh. And I don't, ever remember them standing out as a bad score this is a bad score like Um, to me like this score and here's why and it's part of what we thought in general the setting doesn't fit any it doesn't help the movie at all and also the score to me doesn't fit this movie because it feels so out of place like the score feels appropriate for a horror movie yes but because it's placed in the bahamas like i think you need something a little more 
a more talented composer would be able to do something I feel like The Burning like where it still has that like that fear built into it but like it doesn't feel like a Halloween movie you know like because there was a point in this where I like I think you're looking for like it needs to be lighter yes it does it needed to be lighter this one was dark it's so I listened to I will agree with you on that point if you listen to it on its own, it's very good. Yeah, that's the thing. Is um, but it's good. Yeah, it's it's very well composed. I think it doesn't that fit a movie. It doesn't fit a Bahamas summer movie. Yeah, it's just weird because the music you hear is something you hear in a movie that like, like uh, specifically the part where Julie's in the she's in a tanning bed. Mm-hmm. She's in a tanning bed in the middle of a tropical storm. And, like, all the music makes you feel like she should be walking down a street some October night with, like, leaves brushing across. And so, like, that's, to me, like, I, I, I need to listen to the score on its own because I bet I, I know you're yeah, right. Because, yeah, like, it's a, I'm sure it's a good score because looking at these, I know that those are all, like, solid scores. Like, mm-hmm. I just recently watched Texas 3D and 13 Ghosts and there was nothing about the score that made me go, like, oh, this is weird or this is bad. Um, and also he has a long, like, tenured career, so he obviously knows what he's doing. Oh, yeah, Debney did the first one. Oh, yeah. Um, so we have two returning characters. Uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt returns as our final girl, girl, Julie James. Um, and then Freddie Prince Jr. obviously returns as her, uh, love interest slash boyfriend, Ray, Ray Bronson. Um, we also get Brandy. So if you guys aren't aware in the mid to late 90s um brandy was huge mm-hmm. she was a singer that turned into she was like one of those singer actress combos mm-hmm. basically she had her show moesha moesha um so she was very very big um and she was in her cinderella movie mm-hmm. is it called a cinderella story? i mean i don't know what it's called um i think no, it's just it's called, called cinderella yeah it's not yeah. called cinderella story um yeah it was the you know when ABC used to do its like family movies like on the weekends um, in the nineties, and it'd be like an original like TV movie. It was one of those. But it was huge. Well, a lot of those were though, but that yeah. one was massive. Yeah. Um, I would say. I mean, it's hard because I was so young at the time, but I would say she was just as big of a get as Sarah Michelle Gellar at the time, like fame wise. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, like yeah, they yeah. replaced her. No. Replaced Sarah Michelle Gellar with somebody less famous. Mm-hmm. Brandy no. was massive. Yeah, at the time for sure. Yeah. Um, very befitting of the era. Yeah. Makai um, Pfeiffer plays Tyrell. Um, he was in most notably the he's in the Eight Mile movie, and then he was also in ER for a while. Um, Muse Watson returns as Ben Willis, so I guess we have three returning characters. Matthew Settle is Will Benson. Um, that is, for anyone out there who's also as involved in teen dramas as we are, we didn't realize it, that's Rufus from Gossip Girl, who is one of the adult characters on that show, but this is him with a completely clean-shaven face, and he looks like a baby. Um, yeah, I was like, what? That's not Rufus? I'm like, yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, it was really weird to see Well, especially him. because he plays really, like, He's got, like, a beard and really shaggy and, um... Yeah, because he's, like, an aging rock star yeah. in Gossip Girl. Except for in Gossip Girl, he was, like, 40. Like, he wasn't even that old. Yeah, but he's the adult character. Yeah. Um, Jack Black shows up as Titus, who is a horrible stereotype. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he just plays, like, the island stoner. Yeah, who's, like... It definitely was, like, that stereotype of the... It, this is a weird late 90s thing, too. Um, that doesn't, I don't think exists as much anymore. So there was a word 
um, that was used a lot then. I don't even know if I should say it. I don't know what word you're talking about. Maybe we can bleep it if you decide it's not appropriate and people can just ask me. But the word was wigga, which was a white person oh. who was trying to act black. Uh-huh. And that was like a stereotype. A or a wankster. Yeah. That was a stereotype in late, in like these, this PC era term. of movies. Yeah. Which it's weird, but it's true. Like this The white existed. guy acting black. Yes. And the, he's hardcore that. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, he, like, it's bad. It's really, it's, it's offensive. Yeah. It's funny because this Jack Black, like we were looking, I'm like, well, this had got to be like one of the first things he did that was big and it was. It's, yeah, it's literally before pretty much everything. He had yeah. a couple, like, small appearances in, like, Never Ending Story 2. And yeah. then he shows up in this. Yeah. And then after this, he would go on to, what was his really big, he's in High Fidelity and... Orange uh, County. Orange County mm-hmm. and, uh, like, all those. Saving Silverman. And yeah, the, they were all after Rock. this. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I threw in, Je- Jeffrey Combs um, shows up as Mr. Yeah. Brooks. He's, like, the manager of the hotel, uh, the concierge, and, uh, and the manager. And he, so if you don't know, Jeffrey Combs is very famous in the horror world he's in he is he is the reanimator um and he has gone on to he be is the reanimator yeah and he's gone on to be like he's like uh you know like robert england where he pops up a lot yeah. in horror movies as like kind of that cameo yeah jennifer esposito is also in it she plays like the bartender um she's in a ton of stuff um yeah nancy like, the bartender yeah like dracula 2000 um she was in crash yeah. Um, taxi. Mm-hmm. She's in a ton of stuff. She did a bunch of TV. She was the opposite of Christine Applegate and Samantha Who, if you ever watched that show. Excellent show. Um, she was in Judgy Amy for a while. and Wasn't she in that show? You like Sisters? Was related. related. That was a that great was show yeah. that lasted a season on the CW way back when. Yeah, 2005. Uh, excellent show. Yeah, she, was a, in it. she was a hot for the time actress. Too. Yes. So uh yeah, so like a very standard to teen scream, noticeable and attractive cast. N- yeah. One ones at the time that you would have been like, oh hell yeah, like there's a lot of good people in there. Yeah. It's definitely just a teen scream, like yeah. throughout I mean they're I think they're not teenagers anymore. They're because no, they're, they're college. college but, but it's a teen scream. Yeah. It's the same difference. Uh our killers, so we have two this time around. Yeah. Our fisherman returns, so Ben Willis. But then his son, whose alias is Will Benson. Benson. Ben's son. That's a plot point. That's a fucking plot point in this movie. Like, they also duh, never Julie, say his, they did never, you not get it? And they never say his name in the movie. They don't say Will Benson, ever. But there's a point in the movie where he's like, Don't you get it, Julie? Ben's son? Ugh. So bad. This that's why Trey Calloway wrote this movie. Like that, you can tell it's not a Kevin Williams. Yeah, my husband was like trying to remember if it which one we were gonna watch. He's like trying to remember, like, oh, is it the first one or the sequel? He's like, well, what's the one where he goes, Ben's son? I'm like this one. Yep, and I think I saw his name is actually David Willis. Like Benson, Will Benson is an alias he uses so he can get into the very intricate. He Uh like like he somehow is able to like using subterfuge get involved in their friend group. So he gets invited on this trip to the Bahamas. Well, he is the one who sets up their trip to the Bahamas. But um, yeah, so we get two killers in this movie. Um, Ben Willis is continuing to avenge his own supposed death in tandem with his son this time around. Uh, and then, of course, we get our iconic weapon, the hook hand back. Uh, yeah. Which is a solid iconic weapon, at least. Uh-huh. Yeah, I love the outfit and the... Yeah, the whole gimmick works yeah. really well. I think yeah. our body count's 10. Yeah, it's 10, and then there... 
there's some places that count Ray and Julie because of the end of the movie because it's implied, um, but uh, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, so I, we're gonna say that's a dream sequence. Yeah, it's gonna be our interpretation. Yeah. Um, so the movie starts with Julie, a pretty solid. Th- this is a pretty solid jump scare. At least she's like in a church and she's confessing that she's sinned, and the preacher tells her like he knows, and she, and she's like what, and he's like I still know, and then the fisherman rips through, um, like the confessional booth. She wakes up in college. Yeah. Um, that was a good opening. Yeah, it's, like, and super it plays moody and... plays well into the end of the last one that like also had us a, a jump scare like of him jumping out at her in the um bathroom in the bathroom and so like it you know it lends to that at least like oh she's having these dreams these nightmares about Mm -hmm. it um and we meet her new friends so we meet uh her best friend carla um who's played by brandy and then we meet like yeah carla's boyfriend tyrell who's the only person in the movie doesn't get a last name by the way which i thought was interesting um yeah so we meet tyrell and then then we also meet um Will, who's, like, kind of this guy who's hanging around, who's friends, but you can tell is, like, very interested in Julie, um, and she is having problems with Ray because he's still living in their hometown, and she doesn't want to go back at all, and he keeps trying to get her to go back, and, like, he's just being, you know, a humble fisherman, and, like, she's living this lifestyle that's not really his style, so she's, like, all conflicted. She's still conflicted about, at this point, three summers ago? Two summers ago? One, two, Two three. Two summers ago. For her to be, yeah, two summers ago. Yeah. Um, and then basically all, all this happens, and she wins. Carla wins this trip to the Bahamas um, from this like random phone call from a radio station that we later find out was not a radio station. It is obviously our killer. Will uh, it's Will? Sets no, it, it up. is a radio station, but he like fakes it. And right, then, it's a real yeah. radio station in town. Yeah, but, but he, he fakes, fakes being the an announcer. Yeah, announcement thing because he asked them like, "What's the capital of Brazil?" And they say Rio de Janeiro, and he's like, well, you've won a trip to the Bahamas. And then they find out later that it's Brasilia, not Rio de Janeiro. Um, so they go on this trip. Like, they're going on this trip, and it's all this buildup. So there's, like, actually probably 30 minutes before we get a kill. Mm-hmm. Because the first kill happens after they've left, and Ray is driving with his friend Dave um, on the on the road in their hometown, and there's, like, a truck with, like, one of those, like, maintenance lights and someone on the road, and he goes to help them, and he turns the body over, and it's a dummy. And Ray quickly realizes what's happening, turns around, and... Um, his friend had been killed. Yeah, his friend has the hook ripped through his throat, or through the bottom of his, like, jaw, and he's ripped out of the truck, and Ray is run off the road by um, by our fisherman killer. Um, man, this movie. Who the <sighs> fuck is Derek? I think he's the, like, attendant guy yes yeah yeah like the one who greets them yes so it basically just ends up they go they go to the island yep and it's just a lot of like oh well there's we're brandy and her boyfriend are going to be together but then that means you're going to be with will and you have to stay in a room together and yeah they, they got the sweets yeah like they randomly get there and they're like you have the honeymoon sweets and then they also find out they got to the island on off season because it's the fourth of july again which yeah. is also never a plot point again but yeah. just randomly brought it's up it's like right oh now. fourth of july is like the last day of the season it's the storms and so it's an abandoned resort in, in the bahamas, bahamas yeah. nobody's there except for the hotel guy the and the staff yeah they there's say they no have a reduced staff of five he literally says there's yeah. five people in the hotel yeah. and they make a very good like 
very clear point. You can only get to the island by boat. Yes. There's no other way except this like little charter boat yes. that goes back and forth. And if you need to be rescued, then you have to call the Coast Guard. Yep. It's it's all so like I think the part of it just makes it so frustrating is it just feels so cheap, like oh, okay, let's try and think of, like, the most extreme situation that, like, would never happen. It's and so ridiculous. Like It's a really ridiculous... Every single part of it, like, that this would never exist. No. If it's... There's never going to be in a resort with five people working there, and you're going to be the only guest. If it's off-season, then they wouldn't have booked you a room. It's just... There's no logic, so it's frustrating as the viewer because... It's so much that you just can't even get past it. Like, and there's, I normally can overlook things, but even, like, just little things, like, I'm, like, I literally am sitting there going, like, how did he pay to get all four of them to this island? Like, he paid for the entire uh-huh. trip. He's, and, like, he sets up the radio call. He inf- infiltrates their group of friends. He pays for the entire trip. Like, the, so the whole time I'm just, like, I don't really understand what's happening here or I guess he might not have paid because you find out later that maybe his dad's working there or he yeah. worked there for sure. Or you still is currently living there. Yeah, because it's like brought up at some point that like that's where Ben Willis is living now is yeah. like on the on island. This island. I don't know. It's so fucking weird. So yeah. basically they get there. The first day they get there is like a party day but then everyone fucking leaves the island. Uh-huh. Um, so like that night like we like first see uh, this is our hookman killer our fish fisherman killers on the island now because um derek who's one of the like boat um or one of the like crew members or hotel because he's like he's the greeter he's the one who greets them when they get off the boat he's like docking one of the boats and he falls in the water and he gets like he asks for a hand up and it's our it's ben and he kills him well, um, maybe or it's will Ben, uh, it says it's Ben on these lists, but I don't know. It, How I guess would it they could, know? Yeah, it could be Will. Um, also weird, this movie is rated R. Um, a lot of the deaths are those like standard like hook hand coming down, cut. Yeah. Which is odd because the movie is rated R. Um, there are a few scenes like we see Dave get hooked in the mouth and pulled out of the truck. Um, and then Olga, who is the next kill, who is one of the uh, maids in the hotel, like her kill, she gets stabbed, um, a couple times and like you see the blood and stuff and before she gets like dragged into a room but there's a lot of like weird cuts in this movie um so basically like we're meeting the island characters and they're all kind of suspicious you know we have jeffrey combs who hates the island or like hates basically hates that anyone's there in off season um we have our bartender who hates men because she just went through a bad breakup um, we have Estes, who is another one of the hotel members who's into voodoo. Um, so we have, like, kind of, like, this cast of su- suspicious characters. But that's I told B when we were watching it. It annoyed me that they keep trying to, like, red herring us because we already know who the killer is. Right. Like, we straight up know it's our fisherman killer. He was... It's not just that, like... Because here's the thing. It could have been a copycat killer if mm-hmm. he was on the island. But he goes to their hometown to kill, like, to attack Ray. Yeah. So you know straight up that it's either our fisherman killer or someone connected to him. Right. Not weird voodoo man from yeah. the island. Not the concierge. Yeah. Not, like, these characters that he keeps trying to red herring you into believing are the killer. So I thought it was weird. Like, they do a whole thing with Estes where they go up to his room and they find all this voodoo shit and he stole stuff out of the room. And I'm like, 
all this would make so much more of an impact if you didn't know who our killer was at yeah. this point. But they straight up show you from the very first kill that it is Ben, I assume Ben Willis and then factually Ben Willis. So it's just, I don't know, it's kind of weird. Like, I just don't really understand. Yeah, like, why have the stuff with Ray in the town? Yeah, like, and why have, why keep showing us our killer as the fisherman killer one year removed from the movie we just saw where everyone knows who it is? Um, So he's kind of, like, slowly picking his way through the hotel people while Julie is, like, seeing him, um, but, like, all of her friends, like, Tyrell definitely thinks she's crazy, and, like, Carla wants to support her, but she's kind of like, hey, we're here to have a vacation, like, why don't you try to have fun? And then Will the whole time is, like, creepily courting her. Um, My friend Tommy, actually, I I was texting him after we watched this. I have a group chat with him and my my buddy Mike, and we talk about, like, movies all the time. And I was like, I just watched it, and I still know what you did last summer. And Tommy's like, oh, I remember that karaoke scene being really creepy. And I was like, really? Because I thought it fucking sucked. Like, that scene to me is so... Like you said, everything about this movie is implausible. Like, she gets up there to do karaoke, and somehow he programmed the machine... To say I still know. To say I still know, and no one else in the room saw it. Just Julie. And the lyrics are on a big... Because she's in the crowd looking at the... It would be different if she was on a stage looking down, like normal karaoke bars do. But for some reason, they decided to have it so the lyrics are out into the crowd. They're all sitting in the crowd, like, goofing around, drinking. I mean, all by all five of them because it's the four of them and the bartender yeah. and no one sees it and I'm like this is absurd to me like it's just so much has to be circumstantial yeah. and in a horror movie there are certain things that do need to be circumstantial and that's fine but when your whole movie is it just loses yeah. any credibility falls apart um, we don't even see Mr. Brooks die so basically um, he's killed at some point in the middle uh, Titus is the next to go uh, no, Olga. The no, maid. Olga's the maid, yeah. yeah. And so she's killed kind of randomly. Um, and then Titus is getting high one night, and he is killed. Um, he's, like, stabbed through the hand before the fisherman killer grabs an axe. And then, I th- or what's he grab? Pickaxe, shears, something. Some bladed items. Shears. But he's also killed off screen. Um, same with Mr. Brooks. By this time, though, like, they know they're being hunted. Um, yeah, he's, like, then moved bodies into a variety of... So, it's like he kills in one area and then brings the bodies to, like, different places. Not all to, like, one creepy room, which mm-hmm. you all know I love, um, for some awesome reveal. It's literally like, well, we're going to throw one of them in the dryer. And yeah, he throws one the in the dryer. And then yeah. Mr. Brooks is in his room with an axe or his head, and it says, I still know, on the wall. And at this point, like, they're trying to get off the island because there's the tropical storm, and, like, Carla and Tyrell are actually starting to believe that, like, okay, maybe someone's out there. Um, and then, of course, when they find Mr. Brooks, they all believe it. Um, so, oh, because that's after, yeah, that's this is after the whole Julie in the tan bed scene. Yeah. So much of this movie happens in, like, the last 20 minutes. Oh. There's so much time that's just... Yeah, so we get to it, and I'm like, oh, it's happening. Like, it's all, like, all of a sudden, it was, like, all this action and, like, suspense. And I'm like, well, like, nothing's really happened in the whole movie. There's no plot. 
Yeah, we got it's, to the point where the kills start happening, and because B's husband Ben watched with us, and he goes, "Oh, we must be like halfway through the movie." I'm like, "No, there's like 15 minutes left." Yeah, because they spend so much of the movie of like literally just like Julie running around trying to convince people that there's a killer, and Ray but, in town like yeah on and, a mission to get to the island. Yeah, and nothing, but literally nothing happens. Like it's not there's shit happening, but nothing substantial, nothing plot wise. It's literally just like. Oh no, she knows something's happening and people don't believe her. It feels like a Friday the 13th movie with less kills and they're not as fun. So it's just kind of boring. It uh, does, yeah. It definitely feels like that because you're like, well, uh, these people, I mean, we get a little bit more character development kind of in the beginning, but then once they get to the island, all of that disappears. It's just, oh, none. It's just like, yeah. okay, let's introduce all of this staff. I mean, not that much. So let's introduce these six characters because um, we need bodies to kill and there's only, you know, four main cast members. So definitely introducing people just to have them killed off shortly after. And it it should be more fun. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, that's, that's fine. It either needs to be fun or good storytelling. Yeah. And it's neither. Yeah. Um. So, yes, yeah, we get to the point. Tyrell finally ties, like... He's, you know, the um, Carlos boyfriend, he's he's killed while they're waiting in the kitchen, and he kind of, like, the, the, does this middle, little monologue before he's hooked through the throat and raised up. Um, and then Estes is killed, uh, again, off screen. He's impaled, like, um, well, with, because a, he, with a spear. He's, like, getting in a boat, and then we see, like, the fishermen, like, come up. No, like, no, that one is, um, Estes is getting in the boat, and he attacks Will. Oh, right. And then we don't see him again until yeah. he shows up with a spear through him. Um, and that's kind of... Again, they do this whole thing where Estes attacks Will because he actually knows Will is Ben Willis' son, yeah. David. But they still try to make it seem like he's the killer for some fucking reason. Um, which, again, is super weird. He shows up, and this is the clunkiest fucking scene in the movie. Yeah, it's bizarre. He shows up with a spear in his back. And um, Carla and Nancy are in the room, and he, like, stumbles over to Nancy, and she's like, whoa, 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 are you okay? Whoa. And he falls on her. He, like, stumbles on her, and, like, he is not a big man. He he is an old man, <laughs> and he falls on her, and she can't... There are two of them now, so Nancy and Carla. And, it like, literally Carla was just kickboxing, and also Nancy is very fit, like, you see her. She can't push him off of her. Um, she's like, get off, get off. And then the killer shows up and the laziest kill in the movie just takes the spear that's already in Estes' back and shoves it through Nancy as well. Drove me fucking crazy. Why didn't Carla help? Why didn't Nancy just be able to push this old ass man who is dead off of her anyways? Like, I get what dead weight is. He's not, uh -huh. a, like, he's not a big guy though. Uh, yeah. Like, you could push him off you. Like, I don't think so. I do. I don't. He's Enough guy. to get out from under him. I 100% think you could. Mm. I'm going to lay on you after this and try to push me off of you. I bet I weigh about the same. Eh, no, he weighs more. No, he's... I he's think you're underestimating how big he is. But also, though, like, that just seems absurd. Also, Okay, and it would... Maybe if it was just those two, but Carla's right there. Uh -huh. The two of them for sure. Yeah. So that annoys me. Uh, finally, we get our big reveal because they're running through a graveyard on this fucking island. Why... Is there a graveyard on a resort? And it's not just, like, tucked away. It's on the property. So it's, like, literally on the resort property. Part of what I think makes this so one of... 
in the first one, the town feels like a real place. Mm-hmm. In this one, you there's not one point where I ever get a feel for where they are. There's no... It all seems, like, really scattered, and I think it's because they were trying to fake a resort. It's not actually a resort in the Bahamas. So why make it that be the trip? Mm-hmm. Because... When they're inside, when they're outside, they all feel ve- like very separate places. And then when they're out there in the graveyard, that feels like a separate place. And I'm like, this is all supposed to be like one, like all-inclusive hotel resort. And that's the only thing there. And there's never once an idea that, oh, the island has people who live here. Oh, yeah, And no. it's, it's, you're led to believe you go to this island, it's this resort only, it's not other hotels, it's tiny, this is it. But then when we're actually there, it's like, well, then why the fuck is there a graveyard? And why in this pool scene is this not look anything like the inside of the hotel? Like, it all is super muddled. There's no... The locations suck. Yeah, and they shoehorn in this weird plot about how this is where Ben Willis is from. His wife mysteriously died before he took his two kids away. And that's the grave. Like, literally the grave at the site is... Yeah. is um willis and it's so weird i don't know so there's like this reveal and then they do the same shot they did from the first movie where julie's like turning around yelling into nothing because it works so well in the first movie so they try to like replicate it here and it doesn't work at all um it feels really cheap and lazy um and then we like we like again we get the reveal that um ben uh wilson or his name is ben willis okay his name is ben willis um no, that's like William Willis. That's his son's name. That's a terrible name. Um, but the, that's Will Benson is William Win- Willis, the son of Ben Willis. And so that we get this all revealed because he like literally says, hey, dad. And she turns around and it's the fisherman killer. And then um, Ray shows up because he stole a boat after. He hawked his engagement ring for yeah, a gun. And- for a gun. And, and then he stole a boat to get to the island and he has the gun and it doesn't work. And so he tries to shoot. Um, he tries to shoot Ben Willis. Gun doesn't work. Will attacks him. He basically tricks Will's dad into killing him with the hook hand. Um, I guess the gun does work though, because then Julie uses it. Because then Ben is about to kill Ray. Julie shoots Ben eight times in the chest. Eight times. He falls in the empty grave in the graveyard. <laughs> As I'm saying it, it just sounds so fucking stupid. He yeah, falls in the empty grave just in the graveyard. Just sitting right there ready for a new body. And then, like, it's raining, so all this mud just starts pouring in on him after he falls in. And she's saying, like, die, just fucking die. Yeah, she, she literally is just yelling, like, die. Like, yeah, I think the line is, won't you just fucking die, punctuated by gunshots. Uh, Brandy lives, Carla lives, like, they, the Coast Guard shows up, and the three of them are the only survivors, so we actually have two final girls and a final boy in this movie, mm-hmm. but, I mean, Julie is our final girl. She kills the killer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ray doesn't show up until the end. He didn't go through the ordeal. I know. It's, I feel cheated that he's in the sequel, because he's not really. He's like, in it for a total of, There's like, no Freddie Prince eight, at all. Eight minutes. Eight, nine minutes. Like, it's mostly... And that's robbery. Fucking Jennifer Love Hewitt. Uh, then we get a flash forward, like him and Ju- him and Julie live together, and like they're all cutesy. They live in a little house together, and he's that scene with his toothbrush. 
It's so weird. It shows him brushing his teeth, and he's, he's like, oh, it, I really like this toothbrush. It's, it's an automatic electric. toothbrush, and he's like, this thing is great! And the door, like, shuts behind him in the bathroom, and Julie hears a noise and goes in the other room. Windows open. We see footprints on the ground. She sits in her bed, and we get... She's, she's trying to convince herself, like, just let it go. Like, don't let my anxiety get to me. And then she looks in the mirror. She sees Ben under her bed in the mirror. He grabs her, pulls her under the bed. That's the end of the movie. I hate this. I hate this ending. Because it doesn't feel like the first one where, like, you can actually assume it's a dream sequence. It feels like they spend a lot of time setting up what their life together is like now. And, like, that they're okay and that they've moved on. And I am sorry, but if you are shot eight times in the chest and then buried alive, you just can't. Like, again, I can forgive certain things. Like, dumping him in the water and assuming and he's dead yeah, yeah he's absolutely realized. that's fine if he falls in the water you never find the body you assume he's dead we know the rules like that's fine we saw him shot eight times into a grave buried alive you're fucking dead i'm sorry you're dead there's just no way i i just can't believe it so it annoys me that that is the end of this movie because and i did actually find also out, feels cheap oh super cheap and i found out there was a, a line in the movie originally where she shoots him, and right before he falls in, he says, I'll always be with you, Julie. Which is why the sequel is called I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer. Because they were intending to do that movie from the get-go. And found out Freddie Prince, Brandy, and... Um, Sorry, Jenner- I'm having really? trouble understanding um, <laughs> For some fucking reason, my Alexa again. Uh, Freddie Prince, Julie, and Brandy were all signed on for the third one. And then it just fell through. It just never happened. Um, yeah. Uh, Julia's her final girl, and she sucks in this movie. Yeah. She has no character development. Like, the whole thing should be about her getting over her anxiety or triumphing her fears. I panic because Mm -hmm. it's just her panicking over and over because he's leaving her signs and nobody believes her. And she barely even is really, like, triumphant. She gets the gun and kills him. Mm -hmm. But, like, there's no, like, actual victory for her. There's no, like, triumph. Like, she doesn't really overcome anything. Like... The whole movie, she's like... Well, they try and have her overcome something in the end where she's like, no, I'm happy, I'm not going to let this, and then they ruin that by going, yeah, you're not going to be happy, we're going to kill you. Yeah. Um, She's basically, like, used as a vessel as, like, this doe-eyed... Like, this movie, to me, more than any other movie we've watched since covering anything on the podcast, when they talk about... When they make fun of horror movies, even in, like, Scary Movie, or they're, like... Or in Scream, where they're like, yeah, some big-breasted white girl is gonna run around. I'm like, that's this fucking movie. Because mm-hmm. that's all it is. It's some, like... Well, they say I, that in Scream 3, right? Or Scream in Scream 4. 4. Yeah. yeah so, and that's this fucking movie. Yeah, that's what like, they're talking about. Ugh, it's so... I, like... And I went in with very open eyes. B hasn't seen it in, like, eight years. Mm-hmm. And I watched it, like, kind of recently, but I was like, oh, not since the podcast. And I was like, okay, you know, the podcast has done a lot of good where I kind of view things differently. And, like, you know, I think there are certain things that, like, again, like, we... Like, the score alone is very good. Like, there are things that we can recognize. But for the most part, this movie is bad. Bad, 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 bad. Bad writing, bad directing, bad... Horrible location scouting, like, choice of location. Don't know why that was in there. Um, Why was the Bahamas in the first place? That's so convoluted. Yeah, just... It's like the whole storyline. It just doesn't make sense. None of it makes sense. It would have made more sense to literally take the sun completely out of the movie and just have the fisherman killer back. Mm -hmm. Like the sun being back in it makes it more confusing. Um, favorite kill? Um, I mean, 
been dying, but not really. Um, I think probably Tyrell, just because it's done in front of everybody. Tyrell's, to me, that is the only shock in the movie. Yeah. Because he gives this big speech. I actually have the quote. He sits there, and he's like, what's he say? He sits there, they're in the kitchen, he's looking for food, and he's all, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I'm fucking horny, and I ain't seen one goddamn psycho killer. Um, and then the 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 hook comes through his throat and he gets mm-hmm. lifted into the yeah. air. So to me, it was the only one where you're like, oh, that's pretty solid. Because mm-hmm. the other kills, again, like B and I literally just watched the YouTube video of the kills, and, like while we were doing the podcast. And because sometimes I do this, I'm like, oh, maybe I'm remembering wrong. Nope, they cut away with almost mm-hmm. every fucking kill. I don't understand why this movie is even rated R. So they can have a little bit of blood and say fucking, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The F word. We can only get one in a PG-13 movie. Right. Yeah, and that was my favorite line in quote, too. Was, I'm yeah. tired, I'm hungry, I'm fucking horny, I ain't seen one goddamn psycho killer. Uh, mine was a Ben line. <laughs> oh, that line's so bad. His voice is so bad. <laughs> Where he says, hush, child, no more screaming, no more running. It's time to die. But he says, he, his voice, he's like, hush, yeah. child. Like, he's got this, like, super gravelly, like, slow voice. Oh, it's... Time to die. Yeah. It's just uh, what I'm going to say now to people. It's time to die. It's time to die. Uh, oh, B, I love your description of its position in the horror landscape because I didn't... I actually did some of the research this time. Um, B and I were in the Google Doc at the same time without knowing it. And yeah, I, just I see lo- this message. I, yeah, I went to p- paste something in and then I saw like it being typed and I'm like, what the fuck? And I looked and I'm like, oh, Ryan's in the document right now. I just see this message and it says, get out of my document. And they're like, oh, shit. Um, but she perfectly sums it up. Another lackluster slasher sequel. Yup. Super lackluster. That's what people look at this as. Talk to anybody, it's like, what a bummer. That's what it is. Yeah, it's crazy to go to from covering Friday 1 and 2 Mm -hmm. to this. Mm -hmm. Because we see what Friday 2 was able to do with the setup and the foundation. And we love Keep Screaming. Or, I mean, Keep Screaming. We know, I know what you did last summer. Because, I mean, on our list, it's fucking... Dude, I know what you did last summer is number six. Like, we really liked that fucking movie. The foundation was solid. It was It's there. an excellent slasher. Yeah. It, like, they it had it. follows the formula beautifully. They fucking had it, and they trash it in I this mean, movie. it's Williamson for you. He's yeah, a master. I know. That's what happens when you lose Williamson. Um, I'm looking low. Low, low. Undercut. God. Why is Deep Red so low? Because uh, it's not a very good slasher. Oh, okay. Fuck. I mean, this is barely better than Curtains to me. It might not be better than Curtains. I don't think it's better than Curtains. Because it's not better. Terror Train's better. It's a better slasher. Mischief Night? Above Mischief Night, maybe? The Morton Salt Mischief Night? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, I think that's where we're comfortable putting it. This is way low, guys. We haven't ranked a movie this low in a long time. Yeah. Um, it's going to be our new number, 34. Yeah. So it's going to be after Terror Train and before Mischief Night 2013. Yeah. Um, because it's... it. There's nothing there, man. It's like, it's a slasher in the most basic sense of the word of a guy is killing someone with a right. blade. But even the things that they're ripping off from their own movie, they don't do properly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't set up any suspense. There's no chasing. The killer doesn't make any sense. Um, our final girl is robbed of any kind of triumph. Um, 
I there's mean, no mystery. And no. what's worse is it's not just mystery. You're treating your audience like they're stupid, mm-hmm. which is even more upsetting to me. Because I like that's one of my biggest pet peeves is when a movie tries when it's very very obvious what the answer is and it's still trying to like really make you think it's something else because that makes me feel like you're you think i'm stupid and i hate that and this movie does that over and over and over again i mean by the time they find all of ss's voodoo stuff it is very clear that he is not the killer and they're still trying to be like but he could be the killer and the big twist is supposed to be that it's will but it's not even a twist I don't think it can count as a twist because it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. The only part that justifies Will is that he orchestrated everything, but, I mean, there's no reason Ben couldn't have done that. And what he orchestrated doesn't make sense. It almost feels like a Scooby-Doo episode where they're like, it's so-and-so, and you're like, who the fuck is that guy? Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, we know who Will is, but you're like, wait, what the fuck? Like, ugh, yeah, it's upsetting. This movie's not good. It's not good. Um, it's a very disappointing, lackluster sequel. I mean... The production quality is all there because they had the money and they just lose so much with like the loss of like really losing Kevin Williamson hurt a lot. Yeah. Um, and you can tell. And I also think it's poor direction and yep. and in defense of the people behind the scenes, I mean they wrote, shot, directed, and put this out in less than a year. Yes. So this was a uh, just get me a script that you know. Again, it was cashing in on Scream yeah. still, and they went, holy shit, uh-huh. we have a hit with this, like, Scream ripoff. Let's get the sequel out there. But they couldn't get Williamson. I don't know. Jim Gillespie just didn't go on to do anything really horror-related, which is a shame because he was great. Um, he goes on, I found that random movie, Venom. He did a movie called Venom with Kevin Williamson, actually. But other than that, he's kind of like a, he's kind of like, what's his name? Um, Jamie Blanks. Or, uh, was it Jamie Blinks? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's kind of like Blinks, where we just lose this, like, kind of talented horror director. Um, and I don't really know what happened to him. But yeah, so this is our new number 34. Pretty darn low. Again, the lowest we've ranked something in a really long time. I didn't like it, and it made me sad. <laughs> That's perfect. <sighs> if we had, like, audio stingers, that would be it, exactly. Um, next week next episode yeah we are doing the carpenter yes that will be our special episode we have two guests we're recording it thursday wednesday one of the two yes some point we might be drunk i don't know i don't know i got drunk last night i don't know if i'm ready to do it again i'll be drunk i'll learn my lesson definitely be drunk um so that'll be we're recording that is that a normal episode or a bonus episode episode. okay so we're recording that this week but it'll be up in two weeks yes um and then after that, I mean, we haven't planned up for... Yeah, we're, we're booked out for quite a few months. So if you want to keep up, yeah, we're doing The Carpenter, and then we'll be doing The Final Girls, and then we'll be doing Return to Cheerleader Camp. Right? That's Not Return decided. to Cheerleader Camp. I thought it was Return to Cheerleader Camp. No, I think it's just called Cheerleader Camp. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of Return to something else. I thought it was called Return to Cheerleader Camp. I don't think so. I think the movie is called that. Yeah, I think it is. I don't think so. Oh, it is just your later. Yeah. Okay, B was right, like always. Right, uh, all of it. But anyways, Carpenter, the final, the final girls, not the final girl or final girls, the final girls, and then cheerleader camp. So if you want to keep up with us, um, those will be the three that we're covering, and then we'll be moving into fall, 
And yeah, we even think, actually have some fall stuff lined up. Yeah, those are picked out. Yeah. September's picked out as well, so. Yeah, so we got it all. Yeah, we got it all. We're trying to keep on track with this. Um, we are working, V's working on some designs for some cool stuff that hopefully we'll be able to announce soon. Um, and until then, keep screaming.